This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 118-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Kamala Henneman, the visual effects artist behind Weird Al's fat music video, Fat Suit. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Oh, what a fun episode last week. Everyone seemed to really get a kick out of us talking to Weird Al's personal dentist, Dr. Roger Schuster. Oh, yeah. So our Patreon supporter, Jake Larson, he said, one of the funnier dentists I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) And listener Steve Allen, he had such a great comment. He said, needed to stop and mention how impressive it was to hear Ethan go from attempting to break HIPAA laws to setting up a public service announcement pertaining to what not to put in your mouth. Very impressive, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I try, Dave. You know I really try. (laughs) Now, of course, we also heard from our Patreon supporter, Mike Minnick, who said, that was worth the wait. Now, of course, Dave, you and I we had given hints about this interview a few months ago. We said we interviewed someone who performed on the Bad Hair Day album. And Mike Minnick, he was actually one of the few people who figured out that it was Weird Al's dentist. <laughs> <laughs> now, our intern Frank, he actually told me that there's a spatula hotline message from Mike Minnick that Mike left a few months ago. And believe it or not, Frank never told us about it. Frank! All right, Frank. Play the noise. Well, it sounds like we have a call on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. All right, Frank, let's hear this message. Finally. Hey, guys, Mike Minnick here. I was very upset to learn that I'm no longer able to fact-check a Weird Al podcast. So to fill that void in my life, I've decided I would fact-check Al himself. I'm looking at the Alapalooza billboard ad right now, and at the top it says 46,569,627 seconds in the making. Now that's genius, because if you divide the seconds into days, you get 539, which is the exact number of days between Off the Deep End, which came out on April 14, 1992, and Alapalooza, which came out on October 5, 1993. My issue with this, Alapalooza started being made on June 7, 1990, when Waffle King was recorded, which changes that number at the top to 105,062,427 seconds. I really expected better from him. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That is a great observation. And, oh man, I remember that we told... Mike, that he couldn't fact check us anymore after he alleged that, Dave, you got some fact wrong. Oh, hey now, now. Ethan, we both know that I never, ever get anything wrong. All research for the podcast and our interviews 
fall entirely on the shoulders of our intern, Frank. So any erroneous information that slips through into the final episode, Frank is entirely at fault, entirely to blame. Oh yeah, Dave, you've never gotten anything wrong, especially when it comes to Weird Al. Exactly! I've literally been a fan of Weird Al since 1970 when I first heard his chart-topping Britney Spears parody, Oops, I Farted Again, on Napster. And if that does not prove that I'm the expert on all things Weird Al Yankovic, then nothing does. So thank you for the call, Mike. We look forward to you continuing to fact-check legitimate sources other than our podcast. Now, speaking of legitimate sources, I tend to fact-check all of my term papers over at wolfinwool.com. You fact-checked your term papers at wolfinwool.com? Well, that's right. Well, at least all the ones I read about The Ruins of Our Past by Sebastian Shepard. I mean, I wouldn't really call those term papers, Ethan. Uh, book reports? Uh, you're not even attending any school or college anymore. What would you call them, Dave? I suppose I'd call them scribbles on post-it notes that you then take pictures of and email to me at all hours of the night. Most of them are illegible. And to be honest, the fact that you are now telling me that these are about the ruins of our past by Sebastian Shepard actually makes a lot of sense. I was getting really concerned for your well-being there, Ethan. All right, well, Dave, if you had to put a score on them, uh, what do you think? Well, I don't think I'm really in the position to give you a score, but I would probably give them, uh, let's see. Yes? Uh, a 27 <gasps> out of 100. Oh. Minus 73. <gasps> a perfect score! That's right, Ethan. How could I not give you a perfect score when these are based on the writings of the one and only David Grant on his incredible website, wolfandwool.com? Well, thank you, Dave. And thank you, David Grant. And to all that, I have to say, it's time for This Week in Weird Al-Related News! Our friend and Patreon supporter Vincent Anderson told us that the 1986 animated Transformers the Movie is coming back to theaters. That's right! Transformers the Movie is returning to theaters as part of its 35th anniversary celebration. And of course, that's exciting to us because, well... You know, a lot of us are nerds and we like Transformers, but also Weird Al's song, Dare to be Stupid, is featured in the movie. Fathom Events is putting on the screening in conjunction with Hasbro for two days next month. Sunday, September 26th and Tuesday, September 28th will be the big days. Now, tickets aren't yet on sale, but you can sign up for a reminder and watch FathomEvents.com for further details. How exciting! Well, we have some very sad news to share. Last week, inventor Ron Popeil passed away at age 86. Ron Popeil, of course, is a member of the famous Popeil family and founded Ronco, which is behind such inventions as the giant dehydrator and beef jerky machine, electric pasta maker, Showtime rotisserie and barbecue, so many more. Ron is the son of inventor Samuel Popeil and brother to longtime Weird Al collaborator and friend of the podcast, Lisa Popeil. We all know and love the song Mr. Popeil from Weird Al Yankovic in 3D, you know, the B-52's pastiche. Well, the song is a tribute to Ron and Lisa's father, Sam Popeil, and it features backing vocals from Lisa Popeil herself. 
But did you know that Ron Popeil occasionally used the song in some of his infomercials? And Ron also appeared as himself in the Promises, Promises episode of The Weird Al Show. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, we share the deepest sympathy to our friend Lisa and the rest of the Popeil family. Gill and chill in peace, Ron. And we have even more sad news to report. ZZ Top bassist Dusty Hill also passed away suddenly last week at age 72. Now, besides having an incredible beard that both Dave and myself are extremely jealous of, Dusty is covered by Al in the Hooked on Polka's Polka Medley off of Dare to be Stupid, which includes ZZ Top's Sharp Dressed Man. Dusty and the other ZZ Top members are visually parodied in Weird Al's UHF music video with ZZ Top's famous guitar spin from their Legs music video. In fact, despite... Dusty being a bass player, Al himself portrays Dusty in the music video. Well, Bermuda and Jim portray Frank Beard and Billy Gibbons, respectively. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, deepest sympathy to ZZ Top and the Hill family. Gil and chill in peace, Dusty. Now, in some lighter news, episode 84-inch guest and one half of the iconic comedy duo Barnes & Barnes, Bill Moomy is now taking pre-orders for a brand new book, Lost and Found in Space 2, Blast Off into the Expanded Edition. The hardcover book is coming out on September 14th and is 352 pages long and has over 900 25 photographs. That's almost twice the size and three times the amount of photos that the original out-of-print book had. You can get more information over at ncpbooks.com and angelacartwrightstudio.com to find out how you can get your book autographed and personalized and pick up some really cool special exclusive bonus items. And fans of great books will be thrilled to know that Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode 4 centimeter has been posted on our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. This is, of course, the book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over, The Lost Photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1983 to 1986. Be sure to check out bonus episode one centimeter through bonus episode four centimeter now over at our Patreon page. And remember, all bonus episodes are posted first on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. Oh, Dave, all this talk about bonus episodes makes me want to hear this week's burrito burrito ad. Well, luckily for you, it's time for this week's Burrito Burrito ad. This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan burrito restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped-in-a-quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Brito Brito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food. Always vegan style. Visit BritoSquared.com or WizardBurger.com and order ahead. Well, thanks, Dave. That ad really hit the spot. Oh, you're welcome, Ethan. Now take us away for this week's interview. 
Dave and I recently spoke to Kevin Yeager on episodes 114 inch and 115 inch, and while he was telling us all about the Weird Al fat suit makeup he worked on, he said if we want to hear more about the making of the fat suit costume, we'd have to talk to Kamala Henneman. So we took his advice, and we are so excited to welcome Kamala Henneman to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Kamala. Hello, thank you. Hey, Kamala. We're so excited to have you on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think of Weird Al Yankovic, one thing you absolutely think of is that iconic fat costume that he's wearing in the fat music video. That is like iconic with Weird Al. So I think I'd like to start with that. Just how did you get involved with the fat costume, the whole big fat outfit? I had worked uh, quite a bit with Kevin over the years. I worked with him on Cocoon and um, also on uh, Child's Play. And so he contacted me when he got the fat video. And um, fat suits is something that I have actually made quite kind of a reputation for doing. <laughs> and, um, and so I think for him it was just kind of an, an, an obvious. And um, I, I enjoyed doing it, but it was one of those... Uh, projects that there was no time and very little money so um <laughs> I, I had a lot of a lot of help from some friends we had about a week to do the whole thing wow uh, i made the, uh, both the fat suit and and also the costume and also the costumes for the dancers they, they made me costume designer but i think they just did that because they figured that they could do it without paying me any money so. <laughs> Wow, so not only did you design the iconic fat costume, you also designed all the costumes that the dancers in the video were wearing as well? Well, designing is kind of an elegant word to use for it. It, It's more like telling them to bring what they had from home and saying, that'll work, this'll work, let's grubby (laughs) that up a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of like tank tops and sweatshirts and... uh... You know, sweatpants. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, you've got a do-rag. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Bring that. <laughs> was there anything that anybody brought that you were just like, oh, no, we absolutely cannot put that in the music video? Or were they pretty good with what they brought? No. The, the weirder it was, the better it was for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Did, did, Kevin told you, I assume you already know, that that, uh, the, that he used uh, the set from um, Michael Jackson's Bad video. Yeah, how cool. That he, yeah, I guess um, Michael thought that, that the parody of the song was was a great idea, and so he he allowed him to use the, the set, which was a, a fantastic set to work on. It was really, really a nice, you know, beautifully made, clean set, and sort of made gave a, a professional look to the whole thing, because we were filming right there on Michael Jackson's set. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah, well, I guess before before we go even further talking about Weird Al, we got to ask you with this great segue you've presented us. You actually worked on and were in Michael Jackson's Thriller. I I did and was in it. Yes, that was that was actually one of my first uh, special effects. Actually, the first special effects film, um, even though it's called a video, it was filmed. Right. And um, yeah, those of those of us who worked on it for Rick Baker, I was working in Rick Baker's studio at the time, and those of us who worked on it were also used as zombies in the, the video. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there were two groups of zombies. There were the dancers, 
which were professional dancers. But then there were also the, the other zombies they called the close-up zombies. And we stumbled around in graveyards and, and <laughs> broke into the house. And <laughs> they crept up on Michael looking menacing. So I, I wow. broke out of graves. <laughs> I, I was one of those. So when you watch Thriller, can you find yourself? Are you like visible in the video? Yeah. I, I am wow. um, mostly. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty visible, stumbling across the graveyard. Actually, I was never a, a fan of horror films. I didn't watch them. This was really about my first uh, encounter with one that I happened to be in it, um, and so I had no <laughs> idea how how to act like a zombie. So <laughs> a bunch of my friends the night before had taken pity on me, and they rented. Um, Oh God! What are some of the classic um, zombie films? Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> right, right, and a couple of others. <laughs> and so they gave me a class. You had like the slumber party uh, class in how to walk like a zombie. But, uh, <laughs> I think I'm pretty easy to pick out walking across the graveyard because I'm stumbling like a <laughs> young woman who had no idea how to walk like a zombie. <laughs> Well, I think you need to share with us, what is the secret to walking like a zombie? I've yet to figure that out. But what I did was I put my arms out like, like apparently a, you know, just a cartoon zombie would, would do and right. stumble across the graveyard. So, you know, I'm the one who looks like the cartoon zombie stumbling across the graveyard. Wow. Wow. That was that was such a fun experience. There really can't be that many people who have worked on both a Weird Al and a Michael Jackson music video. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just sort of stumbled into it. It was I was dating a guy um, who was working for Rick Baker, and he was going to be one of the um, kind of visual premier zombies. He he uh, took his character from the uh, Edward Edward character uh, Tor Johnson, and so he. In fact, I, I helped him make a bat suit for that. But he was blue and bald, and and um, and pretty much looked like and 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 acted like uh, Tor Donson. But um, Rick Baker needed someone who could uh, make patterns and do sewing and dyeing. And um, I had skills and um, was interested in doing it. So um, I got the job, and and then I, I worked with Rick for about ten years after that. Wow. Wow. So in the Michael Jackson video thriller, I mean, you had done, had you, how many costumes did you work on? Did you basically do all the costumes for all the zombies? Did you do Michael Jackson's costume at all? No, 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 no. No, uh-uh. no what, what I did was I, I made um, arms um, out of a spandex fabric that was, that I dyed then and uh, we painted veins onto and and made crusty skin. So um, I, I made a lot of the pieces that were mm, like used by the wig makers. For example, Michael Jackson wore a uh, kind of a hood for the cat-like uh, werewolf character. And it was a hood that went uh, from his head down over his chest. And then all of the hair was hand-tied in that. So I made the hood and dyed the hood and then worked with the wig maker. Uh, on, on wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> and uh, lots, lots of gloves. All, all the gloves for the zombies. Yeah. Uh, making them, oh. buying them, and, uh, 
and encrusting them with crud. <laughs> it was that was that something you were already trained on, or was that something you just kind of started when you took the gig? You know, it's with with everything. Whatever it is that you need to do to figure out how to do it, you do it. Um, when I, 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 for example, I worked on the film Fight Club, right. and um, the way I got that job was that uh, one night I was making dinner, the phone rang, I answered the phone, and and a voice on the other side said, "Can you make?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, the ordinary person would not have an answer to that, but a person working in special effects just says, "Yes, of course I can." When do you need them? <laughs> If you don't already know how to do it, you just assume that you will figure out how to do it. You say yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I did not exactly have a, a long uh, history of making zombie parts, but I knew I could do it. So That's just incredible. It's one of those things I learned on the job. Yeah. Wow. So what was it like working with Michael Jackson? Did he give you any kind of direction as to what he wanted or was he just, what was it like? I mean, when I remember when the Thriller video came out and I'm old enough to remember it coming out and I just remember it being like the biggest thing ever. And I just remember people would stop in their tracks to to just watch this video. They would, you know, when it came on MTV or wherever, they would run inside just to watch it. And to to be like a part of that that what is I would just want to know what it's like working with Michael Jackson. I'm interested to know what your reaction was when that video blew up the way it did. You never know when you're working on a project how it's going to be received. Everything you know seems great while you're doing it, and then a lot of things end up just bombing. But right. nobody. I, Nobody realized just how big Thriller was going to get. I mean, it really was. At the, it turned out to be the iconic video, uh, certainly of uh, of the eighties and nineties. I guess that was actually the beginning of the nineties. Beginning of the eighties, nineteen eighty. Beginning of the eighties. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting my decades mixed up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I I had only known Michael Jackson from the Jackson Five, and so uh, when I first met him, I didn't know what to expect. Um, he showed up at Rick's shop uh, with Marlon Brando's son and um, acted just kind of a silly, goofy kid. And he was shy, but really sweet and uh, hung out with us. He, he used to, he would come for fittings. He would bring different animals that, that he had. Like he had, he had a big snake boa constrictor that came muscles. Wow. He'd bring in a pillowcase <laughs> and people with. But he was just a, just very sweet, uh, shy, but, but kind, um, and generous. Um, my experience with Michael, I've worked with Michael on several different occasions. I worked with him on Captain EO on that and also uh, a little bit on Moonwalker. And, um, wow. and for, I'll give you an example of how, how sweet and generous he was. For um, When we were filming Thriller, the, the scene where the, 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 the big dance scene with the zombies, that was filmed in the meatpacking district of Los Angeles. And because they didn't want to have a bunch of people around that to have to deal with, they decided to, to, that we would not start filming until about one in the morning. Of course, word got out immediately, and one in the morning, you know, we, we were set up and started to film, and hundreds of people from the neighborhood came out. <laughs> um, and, 
and the the production the producers were were trying to kind of keep people out of the way and but Michael said that he wanted people to be able to watch the entire thing and he put on a, on a concert for them and in between when he was doing thriller scenes uh, he'd either be signing autographs and talking to people or else doing dance and singing numbers. I mean, he really put on wow. a concert for the people wow. that, that came out that night to, to that had just found out that he was there. And um, so that was one of the, the instances that, that I remember, just his generosity and kindness. At another time, um, I was on, on uh, set with a, a sitcom at Universal Studios, and he, uh, he was doing... Um, Oh gosh, the one with Michael with um, Eddie Murphy and Iman, and I'm, I'm my mind's going blank. But it's the one where he plays the, the pharaohs, and but anyway, he was so he was filming at Universal Studios, and he found out that some of uh, Rick Baker's people were there working on a sitcom, and he came over to our uh, stage and, and invited us to come and watch the filming of the video. So oh, cool. Oh, wow. But, you know, he would do things like that. He just, he was a, a generous, sweet person, is what I saw. Wow. That's so cool. And what was your reaction to the, the I should say, motion picture that he created, Thriller, just blowing up the way it did? I was always amazed and felt very fortunate that I just happened to be in the right place at the right time with the skills that they needed. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I just sort of fell into it, but I love yeah. doing it. It's and I'm still in touch with a lot of the people that I worked with on that. Wow, that's great. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, tell me, how do you go from you know starting off working on zombies and stuff to becoming the fat suit aficionado? You are the queen of fat suits. How does that start? What was the first one you made? <laughs> the queen of fat. <laughs> Um, it's not really that much of a leap, actually. Um, <laughs> for, for a lot of the films that I was working on uh, used people that had unusual bodies. Um, for example, um, I worked on Harry and the Hendersons with Rick. And um, so we had uh, super tall guys playing Bigfoot. Yeah, And then there were uh, quite a few films, including some that I worked on uh, with Kevin Yeager that had aliens in it. So um, for Cocoon, for example, they used very thin women, almost anorexic women for, for the aliens. And right. uh, then another one of uh, Kevin Yeager's shows uh, had some aliens that were tiny. And so I worked with little people. So I tended to, to, to work with people who were unusually small or unusually large or made them unusually small. Or right, 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 right. <laughs> made them unusually large. <laughs> so for, uh, for the fat suit for Weird Al, one of the things that he really wanted was uh, because Michael his, had the signature dance move of grabbing his crotch. Yes. <laughs> so he wanted, yes. so it was really important to Weird Al that that, be like a really funny visual so i made the stomach really squishy in fact i think i used styrene pellets okay. because it was light but also really squishable 
because he wanted to be able to reach down and have his fat suit just like practically get cut in half as he as he grabbed his crotch. <laughs> and I think the crotch grab was very successful. <laughs> yes. So that was one of his stipulations for it was that, <laughs> that he'd be able to grab his crotch and look funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious about the process of actually creating the fat suit for Al. Where do you, what do you start with? Do you start with, I guess, drawings or do you, where? Like, I don't even know how you would start. You know, I'm not sure that we. I'm not much of a sketch artist. I, I work in, in in three dimensions better than uh, with sketch and yeah. sketches. And, and I knew I knew basically where it needed to go. So. Um, we started off by making just a um, kind of an undersuit that fit close to the body, and then uh, just using photos of uh, fat people, uh, figuring out where the roles needed to go. So it was a lot of bean bags actually kind of hung together, and um, hmm. so if you were to look at it without the without the the black costume on top of it, you would see that there are are these bean bags that are kind of suspended from one spot to another so that when he moved that they would really bounce. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> and then the costume got, the, 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 the suit got built on top of, of that. And so you, obviously you need to measure Al. How much time does it take between? No, I just needed to know approximately oh, really? okay. uh, the size. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if we had a body cast for him or if we used another body cast. I uh, I would have I used a body cast from Kevin Yeager and I'm not sure if it was Weird Al's because of the time limitation. It might have been someone else who was the same size. Yeah. But on the other hand, they had to do a head cast on him, so we probably did have a, a body cast of Weird Al, and hmm. um, I worked on that. They, they brought it. I was working out of, of a little shop that I had in my apartment, and I, I had several friends that came to help me for no money, and um, they're pretty awesome friends. Yeah. Um, that that <laughs> helped me do that. Stay up, stayed up all night because we only had a few days to do it in. Really. Like, oh wow! Not much more than a week, really. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, let's take it back a little bit. Um, when was the first time that you had met Weird Al? Was it for this video or had you met him earlier? No, it was for this video. And I think probably the first time would have been at Kevin Yeager's shop. Okay. And I don't, I don't know that I actually got to do any fittings on him. I think that maybe the fittings were maybe the last day. But uh, I pretty much built it on the body form. But Muriel's not an—he's not a particularly unusual shape. He's a little tall and a little slender. <laughs> but there were other people that um, that had similar body uh, was a similar body type and had similar measurements. So I used them to kind of work out the bounces and the jiggles and the sag. <laughs> <laughs> And so how how do you determine how fat he is? Was there like a guideline like, you know, make it as big as, as a hula hoop? As fat as we could yeah. make him. As fat <laughs> as we could make him. He wanted to be really fat. And I think I think we did a good job. I think I think so too. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, it's just such a funny video. And, you know, the costume is just, like Dave was saying earlier, it's just so iconic. I, I just, it, just even talking to you is just so incredible, getting to talk to someone who put together something that is just, you know, such an iconic thing down to the core of the lives of Dave and I. It's so cool to talk to you and, and hear about this. And was it just kind of a one-off thing or was this like a special thing? Was this something that you, you know, often thought back to during your career? It's always a one-off thing. I, yeah. I was, I was really lucky to, to uh, get in uh, to Rick Baker's shop early on. And um, I mean, it really was the uh, one of the, well, yeah, the first place that, that I worked for any uh, significant period of time in special effects. And so, and Rick Baker got got a lot of really desirable films. So I I got lucky. I got to work on a lot of things with them. And um, I'm sorry, am I answering your question or am I going off in a totally different direction? I don't even remember what the question was. I don't know either. It's fine. <laughs> how did I get there? You know, they're all a one-off thing. I mean, some things you work on for years, like gorillas. I worked on Gorillas in the Mist. But um, when we started on Gorillas in the Mist, we actually had a, a time and contract uh, constraint going on. We He had to keep people tied up because there were several different companies that were uh, competing for the rights to do uh, Diane Fo the making of or the, the story of Diane Fossey's life. And so he had to keep people busy. Um, so we made, you know, about, we spent about two years making test gorillas and um, lots wow. of different kinds of gorillas. Wow. But that, that was an unusual situation because he had to keep us tied up. He had to keep us from going anywhere. And he got Warner Brothers and, and Universal to uh, team together. And, and they just paid for us to, to do R&D for two years. But then sometimes... Sometimes you have a week. Right. Usually if right. I was working with Rick Baker, we had plenty of time, plenty of money. If I was working with anyone else, there was no time and no money. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, basically the constraints there. Now, Kevin Yeager let us in on a little secret that there were actually lentil beans in Weird Al's breast. Do you remember, you know, there being lentil beans in his suit? And what were what were some of the other, you know, things that were inside the suit itself? Um, yeah, I think lentils because uh, because those had enough weight and they could give a bounce. Uh, styrene <laughs> in the belly because yeah. the belly yeah. had to be really squishy. Um, but I think the parts that, that bounced were generally lentils, and sometimes I, I would wrap them with batting so that you, you wouldn't see the the shape of the lentils. Right. And and, uh, and Weird Al's fat suit was actually fairly lightweight for for a fat suit. Um, it was important to him that it be squishy and that it bounce in the right places, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, he also wanted it lightweight, so we we were able to to I think you know hit most of those marks yeah. on on Fight Club for 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 Meatloaf. Yeah, uh, pardon my pardon my words here. <laughs> were filled with <laughs> they were filled with flaxseed because it made really um, smooth, uh, kind of realistic looking, enormous breasts. 
They were also heavy. And, you know, if you listen to Meat Loaf, he would say it weighed 70 pounds. It actually weighed 32 pounds. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's still a lot of weight to, to have to carry around. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, and so that wouldn't, the, the, uh, the flaxseed would not have worked for the, the Weird Al suit just because they're so heavy. But he, he, it was kind of a cartoonish suit anyway, so we weren't going for realism as much as we were. Right, right. For, <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, like you mentioned, you've created a lot of other fat suits, you know, the meatloaf fat suit from Fight Club, and uh, uh, you've created a fat suit for Ghostbusters 2 right. that comes to mind as well. Yeah, uh, Larry Brothers and also yeah. Slimer. Oh, right. Yeah, the Slimer suit. <laughs> I made Slimer Brothers. How cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So out of all the fat suits that you've made, as far as just girth and size, where does Weird Al's fit in there? Is that the fattest suit? It's the fattest one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Scalari bro- actually, Scalari Brothers for for uh, Ghostbuster, Ghostbusters 2 was pretty comparable. Yeah. <laughs> so they might have both, yeah. both been about the same. Uh, as, as I recall, Weird Al was 111 inches girth. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a fun fact right there. 111 inches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what what Tony Scolari was, but the... <laughs> Oh, Nunzio Scalario, not not Tony. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you're working on, you know, the fat suit, once you get the, the, the girth and the, the jiggles and all, all of that stuff together, what was your process for actually, you know, putting together the buckles and the, the jacket and, you know, all the kind of accessories uh, to finish off the suit? It took a lot of hardware. Yeah. And because uh, I only had about a week, like I said, uh, once the fat suit was done, there was maybe mm, a two days to to make the rest of the suit. And um, I, I remember going to a local fabric store in Los Angeles as they were closing down. I, I had my list of things that I needed. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually stood outside the store begging them to let me in because <laughs> they were closing. And but uh, and I think I wrote some notes and, and and put the notes up on the door saying this is for Weird Al Yankovic and you know we will everyone will love you forever if you let me in and let me <laughs> so I, I pretty much wiped out their notions rack about all the buckles and chains and wow yeah everything kind of jingly and hanging that that, that I could find. <laughs> He has a, there, there's one thing that he has that hangs down from his waist and it had to, it had to look big, you know, for, for the, uh, bad video, it was, uh, with Michael Jackson, it was just some sort of a key fob that hung, but, uh, because the fat suit was so big, it had to be comparable in size. Um, so I ended up going to a, um, horse supply stop shop <laughs> and buying um hardware for bridles wow hang oh, wow me. yeah so some of the some of the hardware that you see on uh on a weird owl suit is actually a horse's bridle <laughs> oh cool <That's> incredible <laughs> wow it worked somehow sometimes when you don't have the time you you get really creative, right? And uh, <laughs> I think that happened. And and like I said, with the help of 
several friends. Yeah. Now, were you on set for this, or was it really just kind of working after hours on? The no, set? I was on. I was on set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they figured I was already paid, and so they could have me on set for nothing. But it's true; they had me on set for nothing. <laughs> they were so cheap. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> So what I mean, are you? What was your day to day? I mean, I know they filmed it over a couple of days. What were you working on? Just make touch ups and making sure it was all together. And yeah, touch ups, making sure it was all together, helping out with the um, with the effects when I was needed. For 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 example, when he when he starts to get that his his legs blow up and and his arms blow up. Those are actually done with uh, balloons okay. that were underneath the suit and so um I, on at least one occasion i was down there on the floor working a pump trying to pumping up the, <laughs> the thighs and, and the arms yeah the glamour wow. you know <laughs> now so al obviously is wearing a fat suit but there is also you know a version of the costume when he's not fat yet did you make that one as well no i did not no hmm. and i couldn't tell you who did hmm. And it looks like the shoes look custom as well. Is that were were the shoes something you made as well? I'm trying to think. I I I, I believe that we went just with with uh, boots that probably Al already had, and then we made like legging gaiters. Gaiters are are um, like up like boot uppers that go over the calf. Okay. That that um, yeah look like part of the boot, but they're they're actually a separate piece. And so I'm. Yeah, I made that. Cool. And one thing that Kevin mentioned when we were talking to him is he thought that it was that um, the other dancers were all overweight, but he thought that maybe what possibly one of them, at least one of them, might have been wearing a fat suit. Do you remember if, if any of the other dancers were wearing any kind of fat suits as well? No fat suits. Nope. <laughs> Just they, they they were chubby guys. <laughs> the there was one fellow, a, a Japanese man that actually has been, was used uh, by Michael Jackson in in at least one of his other videos. A a very short Japanese man, and he's got I think he's got a Japanese flag on a um, that he wears as a headband. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, sure. Yep. The, the, the director really wanted to have the, the, the boys bear their bear their bellies and they were all kind of shy about it, except for this one Japanese guy who was like, Yeah okay. <laughs> So So he's the one that, that you, you see him actually lifting his shirt and rolling his belly. <laughs> but they all uh, wore the wore the fat suits that they were born in. Right. <laughs> you didn't have anything to do with those fat suits. <laughs> Nice guys, too. Really sweet guys. I can imagine. Oh, man, it must have been so much fun. Did, now, I, I know if Dave and I were there, we would be looking for, like, a souvenir or something that was going to be thrown out anyway that we could hold on to for our collections. Was there anything like that that you are able to obtain working on the Fat Music video? Um, I think at that point in my life, it was, I was looking more towards how am I going to get this uh, body cast out of my apartment than, <laughs> than, than rather what I could keep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seriously. The, 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 and then again, the jumping over to Fight Club, 
when uh, Rob Boutine, who was the, the fellow who did the special effects that I was working for, thought that it, it wasn't enough that I was working on the fat suit at work, that perhaps I would like to work on it at home. So he brought the <laughs> meatloaf body cast uh, and put it in my living room, my tiny little living room, and it was almost Christmas time, and so I didn't have room for a tree, so I I, I strung lights all over the <laughs> naked body cast, and that was our Christmas decoration. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, when you're working on it, you just want it out of your life. Yeah, you know? okay. You don't think about, this might someday be worth something. You think, get this out of my life. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I don't blame you there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Now, I know we're not supposed to talk about Fight Club. It's one of the rules. But I do have some questions I got to ask you about. Just working with, how is it working with Meatloaf? What kind of uh, person was he? Meatloaf. Okay. Um, actually, Meatloaf had just lost a lot of weight before the, the film. Mm -hmm. So um, they thought, when they hired him, they thought that they would, uh, they would just have someone making the breasts for him. But actually, he had lost a lot of weight, so I needed to make an entire fat suit for him. <laughs> he he was a character. He was <laughs> he could be very sweet, and and one of my best memories from it was that he would sing to me sometimes. Oh, cool! I'd be oh, wow, <laughs> helping him in his trailer, and um, I'd bring up a song or something, and he would sing it for me. And that, that was kind oh, of how cool. And that was really the, yeah. I, I really enjoyed looking back on those times. Yeah. <laughs> but where Beatloaf was a little more, in some ways, formal with me, but but the person that was really open and, and, and just treated the rest of the crew like they were friends was Brad Pitt. Oh, cool. Um, oh. Brad was just cool. a, a you know lovely person to work with and uh, very kind and sweet. Um, I had my daughter, my, my daughter was four years old at the time, but David Fincher, who's the director, had a daughter the same age, and he was going through a divorce, and the only time he could actually see his daughter is if she came out to the set. So he invited me to bring my daughter to set, and the producer, who was his girlfriend, babysat my daughter and his daughter, and they they got to go to the ice caves, and they had the run of the, the fox. Oh, yeah, wow. Fox Studios. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, so that was a really ex uh, special experience for her. But uh, she loved, like, helping Brad Pitt find his socks. And <laughs> 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 <No>. <laughs> it's a resume booster right but, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meatloaf didn't like that suit because it was it was heavy. Yeah. And and um, I, hmm. I tried, tried my best to... to take care of him and keep him uh, to take the suit off when he, you know, unless he absolutely needed to wear it. And I made him also a lighter weight suit that we wore right. as often, that he wore as often as we could get away with it. But, but uh, David Fincher liked hmm. to have him in the heavy one. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he also, uh, David Fincher wanted uh, Bob, which is the character that Meatloaf plays, to, to not right. just be, at, but also just kind of be hulking and so um we had platform shoes that looked like frankenstein shoes that, that that we would put on him so when he was standing next to other actors that he would sort of loom wow. over yeah. them <laughs> and uh 
David Fincher. He's like, I love David Fincher, but you, you, you have to kind of know, you know, what his sense of humor was. But, uh, for example, I had to one day get Meatloaf into his, his platform shoes and, and the entire production was waiting for me. And so uh, getting these on him with this fat suit on was, was no easy task. And, and David <laughs> Fincher was standing by me, kind of tapping his foot saying, I've seen horses change their shoes faster than this. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the best insult I've ever yeah. gotten. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But I loved working with David Fincher. He was so incredibly detailed and um, fascinating man. Yeah. But I mean, watching him work was was truly watching an artist at work. Yeah, I mean, what an iconic movie to get to say you worked on, you know. I got lucky. I got. I, I worked on a few films that are kind of iconic. Just yeah. I just happened to be in the right place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned, you know, that Meatloaf was going in and out of this suit, and uh, it just fascinates me because I just assumed that once they put on the suit, they were pretty much in the suit. How long does it take, like Meatloaf or Weird Al, to get in and out of these fat suits that you've created? Um. Not too long, um, maybe five minutes. But then, if they have to put on a, a costume over that, that can be more time. Right. So it's not that much time, and and, and uh, usually in between, in between um, scenes, you unzip the suit and kind of uh, peel it down and give them water and mm -hmm. you know put a fan on them because it gets really hot in the fat suit. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you want to try to save their energy as much as possible. <laughs> now, in creating these these fat suits, or even some of the the gorilla suits and stuff, have you ever worn one yourself? <laughs> yeah, I have a picture of myself in the Weird Al one. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Of course, you have to try it on. I mean, you know, wouldn't you? Of course. Would. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Partly out of curiosity and also to, 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 to know uh, how it feels and how it moves. And right. Sometimes you just need to put it on a body and see how it moves. And, you know, if mine was right. the only body available, that was the one I used. <laughs> wow. Now, have you ever put on a fat suit and, or gorilla suit and just gone out in public and just walked around? <laughs> I have not. But now you're reminding me of one that I didn't, I didn't tell you about. Oh. Um, for the Nutty Professor, I oh. didn't make the one that they, the, the suit that they used in the film, but I did make the prototype suit. And so um, we did a prototype makeup. Rick Baker was doing the prototype makeup on uh, Eddie Murphy, and, and I made the prototype suit for him. And um, the thing about Eddie Murphy is that when he's in costume, when he's in makeup, he wants, he wants an audience. He's a comedian. He right. wants an audience. Right. So we yeah. get him suited up, and um, and all of a sudden he would just take off down the street with, and the rest of us would all go running after him because you know what can you do? And so he go he would go running down Flower Street in Los Angeles, you know, waving at people. People would be stopped at at, at the stoplights, and he'd go up to the 
to their doors and say, hi, how are you doing? My name is, and introduce himself <laughs> as the character. Right. Nobody gets <laughs> were talking or to or looking at Eddie Murphy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was, I, I worked on a couple things with him and, 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 and he, every time he was in makeup, that, in fact, I think Rick knew he, at some point, guys, keep your eyes open because he's going to take off and just be ready to follow him down the street. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, so Kevin Yeager let us know that he actually has the fat suit still hanging in his shop. Do you know what's what's happened to other suits you've made? Do they get thrown out? Do they end up in, you know, closets somewhere? Do you have any idea where some of these have ended up? Well, I think that for Slimer, that it's probably in the um, at, at, at ILM Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. They okay. They have kind of museum, or they they anyway they, they have things in their archives that they bring out, and um, they're probably on display from time to time. Um, I would guess probably Scolari, uh Nunzio Scolari is also something that they would use in an exhibit. But other than that, and it would just be being cared for in archives. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I did some, um, I did several fat suits for a film or actually TV series called storm of the century. And that was, uh, what, um, Steve, Okay, so I'm blanking out on Steve's last name. He killed me. Um, but anyway, it was, there were several different characters. And um, I think that probably he has those suits or had those suits and, and they might have been used for different things, but probably kept in storage. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it depends on uh, anything for Rick Baker would have been kept would have been stored with the intention of, of being used in exhibits. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And what is the like the lifespan of a fat suit? How do they last forever once you've created them, or do they kind of have a, a life that after a while they're just unusable? I think for the the ones that are uh, just kept on a, a a body cast like uh, Weird Al's, they probably last for quite a quite a time. If they're used a lot, then they might actually break down over the, the period of the, the filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm. depends on, on how hard the usage is to get. On the gorillas in the mist, they uh, are the muscle and fat suits that we made got pretty hard use. But I think also that uh, we we kept up uh, the maintenance uh, really regularly on them, so they probably are still usable. Eventually, mm. foam breaks down, um, sweat does break down a, a suit uh, but for the most part trying to think for the most part the uh, fat suits that i've made i've made the the sections that had something like lentils or seeds in them uh, removable or they so that the rest of the suit could be washed oh, okay and okay yeah so you know because they, they get a little ripe <laughs> you can imagine yeah <laughs> Now, I have to imagine that at, at some point, fat suits and gorilla suits and that kind of stuff, did it just start turning into, you know, digital post-production? 
or is there still a need for fat suits and, and that sort of thing in cinema today? Yeah, I think that there is. In some ways, there's more of a need than there was when uh, computer graphics really got started. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the more things that are done with computer graphics, the, uh, the more that you need like an interim, uh, how to try, try to think how to say this. Um, a lot of times if, uh, you have something that is digitally created, the actors still need to, at some point, maybe interact with a physical embodiment. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, so there are still a lot of puppets that are made. The computer, computer generated images actually kind of opened up just more effects altogether. Um, but they're used more for maybe something for the actors to interact with. Something sometimes, uh, for example, in, in Jurassic Park, there are some times that the actors will actually need to physically touch a, a part of a of a dinosaur. So maybe like a dinosaur arm would be built or okay. you know, for, for mighty Joe young, there are times that they needed to actually be able to physically interact the, the actors with a body part, not necessarily the entire body, but uh, I know that for mighty Joe young, that portions were, were made. Actually, I think they did make one entire complete, uh, uh, full-sized Joe. Now, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was working at Lucasfilm at the time, so I didn't work on that. But uh, oh, okay. Hmm. Now, when you're making fat suits, maybe not for a video uh, like Weird Al's that was only a couple of days shoot, but for something longer like Fight Club or Ghostbusters Two or any of the other movies you've been working on, do you do you make more than one suit, or is it just one suit and then you just kind of piece that together throughout the whole film and, and keep it? Well, for um, well for Weird Al, it was just shooting over a few days. It was just one. And every, yeah. They, they did things as cheaply as they could. Um, for uh, Nunzio Scolari, there was just one fat suit. It's a lot of work building a fat suit. It's actually easier to uh, make them kind of modular so that you can clean them and, and, and just uh, keep on with the upkeep. Um, for, um, for Meatloaf on Fight Club, we had the lighter suit so that he would ha- be able to use a, a lighter weight suit that, that didn't tax his body as much. But uh, pretty much it was just the same suit and, and uh, there was a lot of maintenance on it. Um, so that was part of my contract was maintaining it, mm-hmm. but, sure. uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. And then for gorillas and in gorillas in the mist, just really one, basically one muscle, uh, muscle suit, which is muscle and fat suit, except for the, that on gorillas in the mist, the main character, the main gorilla did just, we did make, we did make two suits, but part of that was because they were going to be doing um, sequences where he would 
be, well, he was going to be killed for one thing, but also you'd see body parts. Uh, there was a part where he's decapitated. And so we had two different suits, uh, two different fat suits and two different hair suits on uh, the main character, the main gorilla in uh, Gorillas in the Mist. But um, that was mostly because he, he had to be able to undergo these stunts right. and uh, not destroy the suit. Hmm. Back right. for for gorillas in the mist, uh, the main gorilla gets killed, and uh, we didn't want to do any damage to the hair suit, but they wanted blood on the hair suit. So um, Tom Hester, one of the the people, the other effects people from Rick Shop, created these uh, sort of gelatin, sort of hanging blobs of gelatin blood that we would hang on the the suit. To make it look like he was bleeding, but it's actually like little jello blobs. Oh, interesting. So that the suit wouldn't be damaged. Right. Huh. Oh, wow. It's incredible. What is something that you've worked on that maybe didn't get the same kind of success that Ghostbusters 2 or, or Fight Club may have gotten that you think people should check out? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think. Or is there nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it's another one. It's not a fat suit. It's actually the opposite of muscle suit. And, and it, uh, you can't really check it out because it was never made. But um, Superman Lives with Nicolas Cage. Oh, wow. That that It's interesting. Not You can't see the film because the, the, the film got cut before it ever, ever got made. But there is uh, somebody made a film about the making of Superman Lives. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and that's an that would be an interesting thing to check out. <laughs> I, I recommend oh. checking out the making of uh, different things because to see uh, behind the behind the scenes how things are done, I find fascinating. Yeah. Like well, I guess I, I I'd love to hear a little bit more about. Did you work with Nicolas Cage directly, or, or what was your involvement there? Yeah, I I did. Well, I was in charge of making the prototype Superman suit, and they wanted something that they had never seen before. They wanted a Superman suit that was of a different material, or they didn't want it to read like traditional Superman suit and we so we did a lot of research and development but there was one time where um, Nicolas Cage was in on with with uh, Tim Burton and um, and the, the the producers on it and and we were uh, discussing different options of how we might be able to approach a suit and at one point uh, Nicolas Cage suggested that we try spray painting his naked body with silicone to come up with. <laughs> and did you do it? <laughs> uh, no, we did not do it. <laughs> he was kind of game for anything. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah, that was that was an interesting project. Also, but it didn't come to fruition, but it was sure interesting uh, to work on in the meantime. It's such a legendary uh, thing to have to have worked on because everyone is so fascinated by it. I mean, obviously, Nicolas Cage is such an odd guy, and then you know, superhero stuff is, is so popular. Of, yeah. yeah, how cool! <laughs> I still have the script and storyboard for that somewhere. I have to 
have to go looking for that now you've reminded me. Wow. Well, I think you need to get in that documentary that already was produced. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I was gone by that point. <laughs> wow, how cool. My career in a nutshell. Oh, I'm just going to throw in one more thing. One more quick thing. Um, sure. You were thinking about it because you were talking about how I got into working with cat suits. And I said that uh, I, I worked with a lot of people of different dimensions because I would work with particularly large people or particularly small people. Mm-hmm. But on the film, um, Harry and the Hendersons, uh, we made a Bigfoot suit. And that, the Bigfoot suit, actually, I think we had different uh, three different uh, muscles slash uh, fat suits yeah. for the main actor. And then we, there were also uh, stand-ins that each had, had their own. But um, the director wanted the, the actor to be over seven feet tall. <laughs> so we, uh, when, when they, they did the, the uh, auditions, so they had a bunch of tall guys show up for auditions and they had all filled out their spec sheets with their height and their weight and, and approximate measurements and their shoe size. And, and, and so just for fun, we, Rick Baker took up all of the, the spec sheets and uh, looked up how tall they said they were and then lined them up from what they said, shortest to tallest. <laughs> And um, they apparently had, the word had gotten out that they were looking for seven foot two. So they all wrote, you know, at least seven feet on their, yeah. on their <laughs> spec sheet. So, but they, they varied from like six, six up to almost seven yeah. foot. <laughs> it was funny watching them lined up. There was, according to the, the measurements, the, the, the height that they said they right. were, you find you know, just like when, you know, you get the phone call saying, can you make bitch sticks? Are you seven foot two? Yes, yes, I am. Or at least I will be. Is that the strangest phone call that you've ever gotten? Can you make bitch sticks? Oh, it's certainly up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually working on a book uh, about my special effects uh, career. And uh, someone suggested I, I call it "Can you make this?" <laughs> so far, at least that's the working title. Well, that's an impulse buy right there. If I see a book with that title, <laughs> <laughs> who would not buy that? I know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you see that on the shelf. Is that not the first book you would grab? Absolutely. <laughs> In your book, are you going to have a chapter about Weird Al's fat suit? Of course. All right. Well, that's something our listeners will definitely want to pick up when it comes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let us <laughs> know. We'd, you know. We'd love to have you back on to talk about the book. Okay, great. Now, uh, Camilo, before we go, and, and just we want to thank you for, for joining us. Before we go, I wanted to see if you knew that you actually have yet another connection with Weird Al. And this one's a little bit more of a stretch. But you worked on the film George of the Jungle, and Al is on the soundtrack yes, for that. I did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How interesting! I did not know that. <laughs> I think on George of the Jungle. Yes. There's another fat muscle suit. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get away from Weird Al, can you? I just can't get away from him. <laughs> He's probably saying, I can't get away from her. Right. <laughs> oh, and, and that reminds me, 
So we actually, we talked to Kevin about this, and I was wondering about you. They put out a Funko Pop vinyl figure of Weird Al in the fat suit. Do you have one of those? Oh, no, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something I'll just leave for other people. Yeah, okay. I had the real one. That's right. That was enough. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, Kamala, this has just been so awesome getting to hear all about your incredible career and, and all the amazing fat suits you made and the most iconic fat suit of all, the fat, fat suit. So thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Kamala, for sharing all of those pretty stinking majestic insights about working with Weird Al and Michael Jackson and Ghostbusters 2 and, oh man, everything else. What an incredible career. Thank you so much. I also love it that Kamala said that she tried on the fat suit and Ethan, you and I, we know, of course, we would both have tried that suit on as well. Oh, I I think I would have pulled an Eddie Murphy and I would have just split and ran off with it. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you in part by Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. Waiting for Lunch Radio is a freeform radio show inspired by mixtape and zines playing a wide range of crazy music and hot, fresh, demented ear food. Waiting for Lunch Radio is not available wherever you get your podcasts because it's on Mixcloud. But don't you worry, you can find it at waitingforlunch.com. Tummy grumbling for some delicious programming? Waitingforlunch.com will cure your pangs! Just follow the aroma of freshly baked and curated audio bites with a side of musical adventures and mashed potatoes. Mmm, potatoes! Your hosts Joe and Yvonne love potatoes! Leave a request, demand, or your best hangry impression at 313-883-9275. Order ahead at waitingforlunch.com. A radio zine that's a treat and something for your brain to eat. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a beautiful, it's also time to celebrate. That's right, Saturday, August 14th, the second Saturday, is the 30th annual Darwin Twine Ball Celebration! Woohoo! I cannot believe it is that time of the year again! Get ready for the Twine K, Dave! And don't forget the Walking Taco! And, and the Kids Pedal Tractor Pole! And the Beanbag Tournament! And the Minnesota Mini Rods from 2.30pm to question mark. Wow! Who knows how long that will go on? Ooh, I bet 105,062,427 seconds. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free. Thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant at WolfandWool.com, Joan Avon from Waiting for Lunch Radio, and Angel Valenzuela and David Cash. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, and Blair. And thanks to Aaron and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. 
And remember, right now, Patreon supporters can check out the first four episodes of the Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode series, our special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and we go page by page, picture by picture, centimeter by centimeter, in excruciating detail through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Patreon supporters get to hear all bonus episodes early. And everyone else, stay tuned because our intern Frank, he said he will post them outside of Patreon once he finishes running that twine K. All right, Bermuda, drum roll, please. Dave and I would love to congratulate July's Patreon raffle winners, Jackson Scoggins and Joe Krause. They win a t-shirt of their choice from shop.2000inch.com. If you want to get in on the August Patreon raffle, along with all the other great perks of being in our Patreon family, be sure to join at patreon.com slash 2000inch. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on the show. For everything about our podcast, including our incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcasts, news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you, and you know who you are, for subscribing and leaving awesome reviews for us on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Attic, Spotify Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest, Kamala Henneman, and thank you to Kevin Yeager, Vincent Anderson, Steve Allen, Jake Larson, Mike Minnick, Hotel XVR27, Bob Rivers Comedy Corp., John Bermuda Schwartz, and Dr. Demento. And thank you to Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And always remember to gill and chill. All right, everybody. We have a real treat for you next week. We are excited to welcome the mayor of Darwin, Minnesota to the podcast. Wait. Really? The actual mayor? How did we manage to book the residing mayor of Twineball City, USA? All I can say is that it was in no way thanks to our intern, Frank. Oh, of course. And no way thanks to neighboring rival town, Dassel, Minnesota. Yuck, right? But actually, truthfully, thanks to Perennial Bank. What?! That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 118-inch. Every girl's crazy about a long beard man. I strung lights all over Meatloaf's naked <laughs> body cast, and that was our Christmas decoration.